Welcome to the By Way of Commandment podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the finer points of his doctrine. Join us as we study the gospel through the scriptures and standard works of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Welcome back to another episode of the By Way of Commandment podcast. Today I want to start in the New Testament. We're going to be starting in the book of Luke, the 21st chapter, and we're going to be talking about the times of the Gentiles. We're going to be talking about Israel and the Gentiles in the last days. Now the 21st chapter of Luke, similar to the 24th chapter of Matthew, relays this scene where the Savior is speaking to the disciples and prophesying to them of what's going to happen to them, what's going to happen to Israel, what's going to happen to the Jews, and what the signs of the last days are, and what the signs of his second coming are. Now the Lord begins his preaching to the disciples by talking about the more immediate future and the imminent destruction of Jerusalem and Israel by Rome. He talks about the desecration and the desolation of the temple, that no stone shall be left upon another, quite literally destroyed, and that the Jews from that point on will be scattered. And in Luke chapter 21, we learn of this verse, verse 24, and they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Okay, so we have this idea that after the Romans come in and ransack the temple and destroy Jerusalem and take over, the Jews will be scattered unto all nations and they'll remain scattered until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What does that mean? If we turn to the Doctrine and Covenants, section 45, reread in verses 24 through 25, And this I have told you concerning Jerusalem. And when that day shall come, shall a remnant be scattered among all nations. Now he's talking about the same thing that he talked about in Luke and in Matthew with his disciples, the destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering of the Jews. It says, And when that day shall come, shall a remnant be scattered among all nations. But they shall be gathered again, but they shall remain until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So the Lord is reiterating here in Doctrine and Covenants what he told us in Luke 21. In Matthew 24, verse 14, we read, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now to better understand what the times of the Gentiles is, we can look to the Book of Mormon in 1 Nephi chapter 13, Verse 42, we read, And the time cometh that he, Christ, shall manifest himself unto all nations, both unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles. And after he has manifested himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. So the order here is that At some point, Christ reveals himself to the Jews, and then to the Gentiles, and then at a later point, it'll be reverse order. He'll reveal himself to the Gentiles, and then to the Jews. Doctrine and Covenants section 90 also mentions the same exact order. So let's think about this for a second. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the the, the gospel, was preached to the Jews or to Israel first, right? From Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
and the twelve tribes of Israel were promised the Abrahamic covenant. Part of that promise was that the gospel would come through their lineage, their posterity. From the days of Abraham to Moses and all through the prophets of the Old Testament, all the way to Jesus Christ himself and the twelve apostles. The Israelites, the Jews, had the gospel first. Now, something interesting happened. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, the senior apostle Peter received the revelation from God to take the gospel to the heathen, to the Gentiles. And from the Jews to the Gentiles went the gospel. And it's during this period of time that the gospel was proclaimed to all nations. And it didn't matter if you were born of Jewish descent or Gentile descent or where you were born. It didn't matter if you were male or female, bond or free. The gospel was preached freely to all nations. And those who received the gospel, who exercised faith in Christ unto repentance, and who were baptized, according to Paul, became adopted into the house of Israel and became heirs of all of those same blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, from the time that the Romans came in and ransacked the temple and destroyed Jerusalem in about 70 AD, from that time forward for almost 2,000 years, there were virtually no Jews in Israel. Some of the greatest chapters in all of the Book of Mormon are those found in 3 Nephi, where the Lord Jesus Christ personally appeared to the remnant of Israel in the Americas and taught them the gospel. And in 3 Nephi chapter 16, the Lord taught the Nephite people, who are a remnant of Israel, about that which is to happen to them and to Israel generally in the last days with regards to the Gentiles. And the Lord says this, Behold, because of their belief in me, saith the Father, speaking of the Gentiles, and because of the unbelief of you, O house of Israel, in the latter day shall the truth come unto the Gentiles, that the fullness of these things shall be made known unto them. So in the latter days, the Gentiles shall have the gospel. But woe, saith the Father, unto the unbelieving of the Gentiles. For notwithstanding they have come forth upon the face of this land, and have scattered my people, who are of the house of Israel, and my people, who are of the house of Israel, have been cast out from among them, and have been trodden under feet by them, and because of the mercies of the Father unto the Gentiles, and also the judgments of the Father upon my people, who are of the house of Israel, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that after all this, and I have caused my people who are of the house of Israel to be smitten, and to be afflicted, and to be slain, and to be cast out from among them, and to become hated by them, and to become a hiss and a byword among them. And thus commandeth the Father, that I should say unto you, At that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations, and above all the people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lyings, and of deceits, and of mischiefs, and all manner of hypocrisy, and murders, and priestcrafts, and whoredoms, and of secret abominations. And if they shall do those things, and if they shall do all those things, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. And then will I remember my covenant, which I have made unto my people, O house of Israel, and I will bring my gospel unto them. So according to the Savior in the last days, the Gentiles, the Gentile nations, shall have the gospel preached to them, but many will reject it. Now, as I've mentioned, the repentant Gentiles 
are adopted into the house of Israel and receive all the blessings of salvation. But after the Gentiles have rejected the fullness of the gospel, it shall then be given to the Jews. So at some point, the Jews have to be taught the gospel. In 2 Nephi chapter 30, verses 7 and 8, it states, And it shall come to pass that the Jews which are scattered also shall begin to believe in Christ, and they shall begin to gather in upon the face of the land. What land? Israel. And as many as shall believe in Christ shall also become a delightsome people. And it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall commence his work among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, to bring about the restoration of his people upon the earth. So in the last days, as we talked about in the previous episode, the Jews, those of the tribes of Israel, shall be restored and shall return home to their homeland. And not only that, but many of them shall begin to believe in Christ. And God, at this time, shall commence in the restoration of Israel. In 1 Nephi 10, verse 14, we learn from Nephi in his vision, quote, And after the house of Israel should be scattered, they should be gathered together again. Or in fine, after the Gentiles had received the fullness of the gospel, the natural branches of the olive tree or the remnants of the house of Israel, should be grafted in, or come to a knowledge of the true Messiah, their Lord and their Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ. So plainly put, brothers and sisters, the times of the Gentiles is the period of time in the last days when the Gentiles shall have the gospel preached to them, and when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled will be the time when the Gentile nations reject the gospel, and the gospel is turned again to the Jews. And while this is happening, many of the Jews shall return back to their homeland, and God shall commence in the restoration of the house of Israel back to their lands of promise. So if this is what's going to happen to the Jews, to Israel, and to the Gentiles, generally speaking, in the last days, how do we know when those things are exactly happening? What are some of the qualifiers that we can look for? Are there other signs that take place around the same time from which we can sort of infer as to the timeline of events here and when these things might be fulfilled. I think there are. If we turn back to DNC 45 and continue what the Lord says, picking up where we left off, the Lord says, And in that day shall be heard of wars and rumors of wars, and the whole earth shall be in commotion, and men's hearts shall fail them, and they shall say that Christ delayeth his coming until the end of the earth. And the love of men shall wax cold, and iniquity shall abound. And when the times of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. Okay, so the Lord backs up a moment and mentions, when the times of the Gentiles is come in, the light shall break forth in the darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. This is the restoration of the church of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the gospel in these last days. And in verse 29, But they receive it not, they, the Gentiles, receive it not, for they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts or the philosophies of men. And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So again, reiterating what the Lord told us and his disciples in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, that the time in which the Gentiles is fulfilled will revolve around the same time that we see wars and rumors of wars. Iniquity shall abound. Men's hearts fail them. When all these things are going on, 
we'll start to see fulfillment of the times of the Gentiles. But the Lord doesn't stop there. There's a few more things that he mentions. Some huge key indicators here. And there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not pass away until they shall see an overflowing scourge for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. But my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved. But among the wicked, men shall lift up their voices and curse God and die. And there shall be earthquakes also in diverse places and many desolations. Yet men will harden their hearts against me and they will take up the sword one against another and they will kill one another. So there's going to be a lot of things going on at the same time that the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now I'm going to read a couple quotes from early church leaders. This is Joseph Smith. He says, quote, We ought to have the building up of Zion as our greatest object. When wars come, we shall have to flee to Zion. The cry is to make haste. The last revelation says, You shall not have time to have gone over the earth until these things come. It will come as did the cholera, war, fires, and earthquakes, one pestilence after another, until the Ancient of Days comes. Then judgment will be given to the saints. The time is soon coming when no man will have any peace but in Zion and her stakes. Brigham Young says, Do you think there is a calamity abroad now among the people? Not much. All we have yet heard and all we have experienced is scarcely a preface to the sermon that is going to be preached. When the testimony of the elders ceases to be given, and the Lord says to them, Come home, I will now preach my own sermons to the nations of the earth. All you now know can scarcely be called a preface to the sermon that will be preached with fire and sword, tempests, earthquakes, hail, rain, thunders and lightnings, and fearful destruction. What matters the destruction of a few railway cars? You will yet hear of magnificent cities, now idolized by the people, sinking in the earth, entombing the inhabitants. The sea will heave itself beyond its bounds, engulfing mighty cities. Famine will spread over the nations, and nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and states against states, in our own country and in foreign lands. And lastly, Orson Pratt, when God has called out the righteous, when the warning voice has been sufficiently proclaimed among the Gentile nations, and the Lord says, it is enough, he will also say to his servants, O ye my servants, come home, come out from the midst of these Gentile nations where you have labored and borne testimony for so long a period. Come out from among them, for they are not worthy. They do not receive the message that I have sent forth. They do not repent of their sins. Come out from their midst. Their times are fulfilled. Seal up the testimony among them and bind up the law. So when calamities start to come, when the Gentiles in the Gentile nations begin to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord in some manner shall call his servants home and shall begin to preach his own sermons. We know from Doctrine and Covenants 88 that his own sermons consist of earthquakes, thunders, lightnings, hail, fire, tempests, and so forth. And all these things shall happen when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So have we seen any of these things occur recently in our day? What is the evidence of these signs being fulfilled? Do we have any? Let's start with the first qualifier. The Gentiles and the Gentile nations reject the fullness of the gospel. Are we seeing that now? In the Gentile nations, Europe, Asia, America, are we seeing a rejection of Christianity? A rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
According to research gathered by the Pew Forum, just in the U.S. alone, we have seen a decline in Christianity from 89% of total population, total adult population in the U.S., self-identifying as Christians in the 1970s, to today, we have less than 65% of adults in the U.S. identify as Christian. The numbers for Europe are similar, and in some countries and provinces are even worse. And at the same time, the decrease in Christian observance and Christian belief amongst adults in the United States and Europe, we have an inverse relationship with a growth that is roughly equal in the number of adults who identify as atheist or agnostic or spiritual in some non-denominational, non-religious way. What about the growth rate of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? In the early years of the church, the growth amongst the church really exploded. There was preaching in different countries, different states, there was a great missionary effort, and the church was growing quite rapidly. Throughout the 20th century, we had a roughly an average growth, an average annual growth, somewhere between 3 and 5% up until about the 1990s. And from the 1990s on, that growth slowed to about 3%, and we had about 2 to 3% growth in the early 2000s. Now here's something interesting. In October General Conference of 2012, President Thomas S. Monson stood at the pulpit and declared the lowering of the age of service for prospective missionaries moving forward. And from that point on, for the next year, year and a half, two years or so, all through 2013 and into 2014, our missionary efforts, our missionary service, doubled from roughly 45,000 missionaries or so in 2012 to almost 89, almost 90,000 missionaries in service by 2014. And yet, despite the doubling of the number of missionaries in service, we had virtually no change in growth that first year. And in fact, from 2013 to present day, there has been a steady decrease in growth annually. As I mentioned, the early 2000s saw an annual growth of about 2 to 3%. Yet from 2013 and each subsequent year, we saw a decrease in growth from 3% to 2.5% to 2% to less than 2% until finally, this last year, as of 2020, we had an annual growth of less than 1%. In fact, one of the statistics that I saw positioned that growth at about 0.6%, barely above half a percent growth. And yet only 10, 15 years earlier, we had six times that growth. Now all of that, coupled with the information I relayed in one of the first episodes, that millennials in the church are leaving in droves. Between 40 and 65% of millennials are leaving the church and leaving Christianity altogether. When you have that many youth growing up and leaving the faith, and your growth rate is declining rapidly, that is a recipe for disaster. And the same thing is happening in Europe. In fact, the most recent statistics of growth showed that the only places that actually had any positive growth for the church are in places in Africa and South America. Almost everywhere else is seeing a huge decline in growth, not only in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but also in Christianity generally. And with all that information, can we sufficiently say that this generation, the Gentile nations, have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, or are at least well on their way to rejecting it? 
many already have. Okay, but that's just one qualifier, you might say. The rejecting of the gospel by the Gentiles, that's, that's, one, of the, that's one of the signs here. That's only one of the components. What about the other components to this prophecy? Well, this will happen during a time of war and rumors of wars. Nation rises against nation. Earthquakes in diverse places. The signs in the heavens. Men's hearts fail them. So on and so forth. But also we have the prophecy that because the Gentiles have rejected the gospel, the missionaries will be called home. The gospel will be taken from them, as the Lord says in 3 Nephi. So has that happened? Roughly 67,000 missionaries were in service in the first quarter of 2020, just last year. And more than 50% of them, they were serving outside their home country. In March of 2020, an earthquake of 5.7 magnitude caused the angel Moroni to lose his trumpet on the Salt Lake City Temple. Some have speculated as to any symbolic uh, meaning to this, and I feel that I will save some of this information for another episode because I think there's a lot going on here. But I will say this, President Ballard, right after, within weeks after the trumpet had fallen from the Salt Lake City Temple, was speaking to a group of young adults and he said that he believed that this was a sign from God that the gospel had been preached to all the Gentile nations in the earth, and that our mandate, our church-given mandate by the Lord to preach the gospel to all the Gentile nations has now been fulfilled. That was in March of 2020. The following month in April, the church announced that due to the pandemic, we would close church buildings, meeting houses, and temples, and all foreign-serving missionaries would be called home. Now you could say, yeah, well, there was still missionary work going on. The missionaries were still out there doing things, talking to people. But when you have more than half of your missionary force serving overseas, serving outside of their home country, being called home, and are now not able to leave because of lockdowns, because of the pandemic, and in the last year since those lockdowns began, many missionaries wishing to serve are being redirected and called to a neighboring province or state and are not leaving the country. And those who are able to leave the country must jump through some political hoops in order to do so. So it's become increasingly difficult to send missionaries back out into other countries in, in the same numbers. It's just not happening right now. And in that same month of April, we had General Conference. And in General Conference, our prophet, President Nelson, announced that we would be holding a worldwide fast and a solemn assembly and a Hosanna shout were given. Now, this is a quote from Rod Meldrum of Book of Mormon Evidence. And he says, Thursday, April 9th, was Passover, symbolic of Israel's deliverance by God from bondage under Egypt and celebrated by Christ with his disciples before his crucifixion. Friday was Good Friday or Sacred Friday, the day of Christ's crucifixion. Today, Sunday, is Easter the day of his resurrection. And here we are again, as prophesied concerning the latter-day signs by the prophet Joel. And he quotes Joel 2.15, where the Lord states, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, and call a solemn assembly. In only a few short weeks, church meetings and temples were closed. Earthquakes shook, Moroni's trumpet fell, missionaries returned home, a worldwide fast called, and an unprecedented solemn assembly and Hosanna shout given. The Hosanna shout was given upon Christ's entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Temple dedication Hosanna shouts also likewise implore the Savior to enter into his holy house. Because of the pandemic, each family, in their own home, was imploring Christ to enter in. 
Think of that. President Nelson invited us to fast on Good Friday for an end to this pandemic. And incredibly, Thursday evening would be our Last Supper before we petition the Savior of the world for his deliverance, which corresponds to his Last Supper. In Israel, Passover Seder meal is the symbol of divine rescue from death. Think of the significance of that short period of time between March and April of 2020. The prophecy of Joel in chapter 2 was literally fulfilled. The trumpet was blown. There was a fast and a solemn assembly, or a Hosanna shout, all given within a matter of a few weeks. Temples were closed. Missionaries returned home and have since had quite the difficulty going back out. And according to the quotes read by Orson Pratt, Joseph Smith, and Brigham Young, the calling of the missionaries home back to their homelands corresponds with these other signs, particularly a sickness. In section 45 of the Doctrine and Covenants, we read that we shall see an overflowing scourge, for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. And this happens when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Have we seen that? Now, some may say that, well, you know, the coronavirus, this whole pandemic this last year wasn't quite as big as we thought it would be. You know, the early projected numbers were far bigger than what, what reality was. Okay, that is true. However, the effects of the pandemic have been far-reaching worldwide. Entire countries and civilizations have been locked down for the better part of a year or longer. And in one sense, the pandemic was quite desolating, especially to economies. Entire world economies have been demolished because of the lockdowns. News articles and business magazines, along with research, have indicated a huge negative economic impact due to the pandemic. I read an article that said that more than 65% of all restaurants in Northern California were forced to close down, never to reopen. How many people lost their jobs? Unemployment skyrocketed. Businesses closed down. Entire economies were disrupted. Some were even completely tanked. So in some sense, this pandemic has been a desolating sickness in and of itself. The illness itself has been quite devastating for many people. There have been people who have lost their lives. There have been people who got violently ill. There has also been the economic devastation due to the lockdowns. But remember, Joseph Smith said that there would be more than one sickness. There would be more than one pestilence. The book of Revelation says the same thing. There will be multiple pestilences, just as there will be multiple earthquakes and fire, hail, storms of all kinds. These aren't one-and-done events. These things will happen multiple times. And these are all part of the signs of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, if you listen to some of the so-called experts, there are many people in various fields of study who believe that there may yet be further pandemics in the near future, some as early as even 2024. What will those look like? Will those have similar impact on our lives? Will they be worse? Time will tell, but the fact remains that this pandemic has been nothing shy of desolating for many people and many countries. And if we're to have another pandemic, another pestilence or illness sweep the land, I can only imagine what kind of damage can be done in regards to both health and economics. Okay, okay, so we have the Gentile nations rejecting the fullness of the gospel. We also have missionaries being called home and a desolating sickness covering the land. That's only, that's only three qualifiers. That's only three signs that play into the times of the Gentiles. But what about the last one? Possibly the most important. That the Jews shall be gathered back to their homeland and will begin to believe in their true Messiah. What about that? 
At the time that the fullness of the gospel was restored, in 1830, and in the subsequent years of the Restoration, there were virtually no Jews in Israel. The Ottoman Empire still held control for many hundreds of years over that province. By 1939, there were roughly 440,000 Jews living in Israel, with a population of 16.5 million Jews worldwide. Of course, this also comes during the age of Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany. And in only a span of a few years, unfortunately, Hitler was able to wipe out roughly 6 million Jews. And in 1948, the total population of Jews worldwide had dropped to only 10.5 million. And at that time, in 1948, there were only about 800 to 850,000 Jews living in Israel. Now, during the 1940s and later again in the 1960s, we have some wars going on in the Middle East, particularly concerning Israel and the, the land of Israel. And from the 1940s on, we see a huge increase in the number of Jews returning to their homeland. By 1989, there are roughly 3.5 million Jews in Israel. By the year 2000, that grew about another million. We had about 4.8 million Jews in Israel. 4.8 million Jews in Israel in 2000. In only 20 years' time, from 2000 to 2020, the number of Jews who are living in Israel today are nearly 8 million, with a worldwide Jewish population of only 13.5 million. So whereas only 80, 90 years earlier, the millions of Jews in the world were living outside of Israel, living particularly in the United States and in, in Europe, here, 80 years later, that has completely flipped. We now have the vast majority of Jews living now in Israel. Okay, so the Jews have returned to Israel en masse. But what about the other qualifier of that prophecy, that the Jews shall begin to believe in their Messiah? During the 1930s and 40s, there were roughly zero Messianic Jews in all of Israel, and very few in the world at all. Now, Messianic Jews is a term that is used to designate those of Jewish descent who believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So religiously, they're Christian, but they are Jewish in heritage and culture and descent. By the 1990s, there are roughly a thousand Messianic Jews in Israel. By the year 2000, about 5,000 Messianic Jews in Israel. And in that same 20-year period of time, we now today have almost 40 to 50,000 Messianic Jews living in Israel, and even more than that living outside of Israel. So while the Jews have been incredibly busy re returning to their homeland, many of them have began to believe in Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. There are a number of amazing channels and websites dedicated to a study of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, as it pertains to the Jews and as it's being preached to the Jews. There are a number of Jewish, uh, I'll call them pastors, preachers, etc., who have dedicated the last several years in putting together some amazing presentations on the growth of Christianity or the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ amongst the Jews. One of my favorites is a group called One for Israel, which puts out amazing content preaching the gospel specifically to their Jewish brothers and sisters, because this is a Jewish-Israeli organization of Jews who had come to learn of Christ 
and had accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah and as their Savior and have now decided to devote their lives to preaching the word of Christ, the gospel of Christ, to their people in their homeland. And they're not alone. There are many groups that are now doing this. Incredible stuff is happening. I remember one such experience on my own mission. While I was serving in a, as a missionary in Southern California, my companions and I uh, did, did not have dinner plans. And so we had decided that we were going to go to a, a local fast food restaurant and get some food before our, our final appointment of the evening. Now, this is in 2011. And we walked into a Wendy's restaurant and we were the only ones in there. So we, we kind of missed the dinner rush, but we're the only ones in the restaurant. We order our food, and we sit down, and we begin to eat, and I look up, and of course there's TVs in the corners of the restaurant, and a few of the TVs had, you know, your typical uh, music station on, or uh, reality TV, or, or whatnot, but one TV in the entire restaurant, which was situated directly above me, and which I could look up and, and see directly, that one TV in the entire restaurant had been turned to a international news station. It wasn't your CNN or your Fox News or NBC or anything like that. It was an international station that I'm not familiar with and couldn't recall even if I tried. And the report that was being given by the, the station, the reporter was on the ground in Israel, in near Jerusalem, and the reporter was giving the stats and the story about the construction work that was going on in Israel, that the the city councils and landlords in that region had been working tirelessly, hiring and working with construction companies to build apartment complexes and and, uh, essentially small homes, condos, and, and things of that nature. And in fact, they were working so quickly that they had to keep hiring more and more construction crews because they couldn't keep up. And what the reporter was saying was that there were so many Jews returning home to, Jer- to Jerusalem that they didn't have enough homes in the city to house them all. And that these construction crews were building literally thousands of homes, hundreds of complexes to house all of these Jews who are returning home. And I will tell you, brothers and sisters, I sat there in that Wendy's restaurant and I watched that report and the Spirit spoke to me and I knew instantly that this is fulfillment of God's word, that the Jews are returning home to Israel, and that the second coming of Jesus Christ is a lot sooner than I had anticipated. I don't speak about that experience very often because I hold it quite sacred to me, but I felt it relevant for this discussion and to say that I know that God is fulfilling his word. He is keeping his promises, and we are going to see some of the most amazing miracles from here until the second coming of our Savior. And with that, I want to say thank you to each of you for listening. Thank you for engaging with this podcast. If you have questions or comments, if you think I missed anything or you'd like to chime in and direct me to some great material to study or read, you can comment on our YouTube channel, By Way of Commandment, on our website, bywayofcommandment.com. You can like and subscribe and comment on any of the episodes on whatever podcast app you listen on. Again, I want to say thank you each for listening. And until next time, bye.